Let's get right into this tonight. Thank you for that beautiful special. Here we are uh, talking about the electromagnetic pulse bomb. As we know, it would disrupt everything as we know. And you know what I would love to see before anything like this happens? A disruption of a move of a power of God on this country or in the world. I still believe that it's possible. I know there are some out there that believe that all we have to do is just kind of hang on and hope we make it, you know, to the end and just do our best. But I still believe God is able to do some move, some powerful move. And boy, I was so encouraging this morning, brother, because I thought about all afternoon, 40 new church plants in America. And just when you think that it seems like all else is going to fail, God's going to you know, if, if the devil's going to work harder and harder as, it get, as the day approaches, knowing, why, why won't God, amen? I mean, I believe God can. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I want to look at this real quickly. Uh, just four simple thoughts this evening to challenge us in these last days on getting set, being spirit-filled, and being led by the Spirit of God and having the power of God upon our lives. Again, the word power in the Greek is dunamis, which is the same root word for dynamite. And... Uh, Boy, dynamite can do some changing, right? And so I want you to look at the first one here. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Um, I know Brother Andy's doing a study in the book of Luke, and I have really been studying Luke a lot lately myself. And uh, I think there's coming a, a message soon to be a challenge of, of where Christianity is today. I think it falls in one of two categories. We're either Luke-like Christians or we're lukewarm Christians, you know. And uh, I think we see a lot of that in America today and globally. But I want you to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Here's the testimony of Luke as he's writing about the book of Acts. And here's what he says. He says, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that. And here's what he says. That Jesus began both to do and teach. That he began both to do and teach. Now, that's not an accident, okay? That's not an accident. Because this teaching is an, is an application that's an applicable to Every single saved person, a Christian that has been saved by the grace of God. Now, what do you mean by that, all right? Now, there was many things Jesus did while he was on earth. So many things. Of course, we've mentioned it so many times, and it's worth mentioning again. John chapter 21 said that if we were to record everything Jesus did while on earth, the books of the world could not contain. There, there's no way we'd be able to describe what Jesus did. And again, that's only based on three and a half years of known ministry. Wow. Wow, how powerful it is. So we know Jesus was a preacher, right? We know he was the son of God, right? We know he was a healer. We know he was able to raise people from the dead. We know he was able to do miracles and walk on water and feed the multitudes. But when this testimony is mentioned, to start off the book of, look at this, Acts, which happens to be, by word count, the longest book in the New Testament, of all the books of the Bible in the New Testament, here's what he says here. It says, of all that Jesus, talking about Jesus, and here's the testimony he wants us to emphasize, both began to do and teach. Do and teach. No mention of preaching in this particular verse. No mention of the miracles in this particular verse. No even mention of him being a savior in this verse. But the mention is this. He's teaching that we are going to live in such a way, the lifestyle of doing what we do and what we teach by our lives, that's the testimony of the Christian. Do you understand that? For years, and that now in America we have the luxury of being free, we can boldly call ourselves Christians, and we're not worried about being captured or arrested or persecuted. But in the olden days, way back when the church was underground and had to hide and, and feared for their lives, they, they used symbols like fish symbols. They used different symbols to demonstrate their faith in Christ. 
Now watch this. Don't miss this now. This is, this is beautiful. They were called people of the way. That's what they were called many times. Or they were called believers. Those two phrases were code phrases for Christians. We don't say that much anymore, right? But isn't it interesting that Jesus said, watch this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. But isn't it interesting he says, I am the way. We always read that verse and we think it's the way to heaven, the way of salvation, and that is true. But I also believe Jesus is teaching us that there is a way of living, a way of, 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 of the way we do our home, the way we do our just day-to-day activities that shows the world we are, now this is important, not better than them, but different than them. Different. I, I take it personal. I grew up 18 years without the, the complete full knowledge of salvation. You've heard my testimony so many times. I, I knew, I believed in God. I, I never doubted God. I never was one that would say, I'm contemplating being an atheist. Never. I, I believed there was a God. I, how can you not, right? I mean, hello, look around. Look at the seasons right now. I mean, I mean, wow, right? I mean, I knew there was a God. But the way of salvation was never made clearly to me. But the reason I was able to reach that destination is because Jesus Christ in his love and his mercy demonstrated me salvation. But God used people that I saw in this way and their life was just different. Their outlook on life was different. The way they encountered things were different. The way they reacted to things were different. The way they just lived was different. And I saw that. I observed it in several different people's lives. Some of them were my own family members, like my aunt and uncle. And there were other people that I just saw, and I, I would look at them and say, there's something different about them. That's what this verse is talking about. When you are spirit-led, when the Holy Ghost power is upon us, the way we do and the way we teach, this doesn't necessarily mean that you're sitting down in a classroom teaching. I believe all of us teach by our lifestyle. We are teachers as we live. Mom and dad, every day, without speaking a word, we are teaching our children. Every single day, these little ones that look up to us, we are teaching them without even saying a word. Now, the words that we say are good, but at the same time, sometimes just observation of a teacher is more powerful than the speakings of a teacher. And that's what this verse is saying. What's he saying? He says this is the beginning. Jesus had a beginning point when he was set. Church, when you get set, that's your beginning point. And that leads to number two. Watch verse two now, the same chapter. Until the day in which he was taken up. Boy, I love that verse. It doesn't say until the day he was crucified. It doesn't say until the day he was resurrected. Until the day he was taken up. Which means Jesus stayed in this way That beginning of the do and the teaching was continued and continued and continued and continued until he was taken up. Let me tell you something right now, 2024, here's the theme of the Christians, it should be globally, church planning conference, a seed project, whatever it is, don't quit, just keep on going. One day at a time. Don't worry about what's going on all over this world. Don't worry about next month or next year. One day at a time. 
One day at a time, get up and do and teach. One more day, get up and do and teach. And tomorrow we're not having church. Tuesday we're not having church. But you know what? We can be the church that the world sees in what we do and teach. We began it, and now we're going to continue it. One more day. One more opportunity to be a Christian husband and a dad. One more day to make a difference in somebody else's life. One more day. Here's what the Bible says. This is talking about Jesus again. This is talking about the disciples, our Savior, the Son of God, who had a list of so many things he did, things he did that we will never attain or do. We can do this. Isn't it interesting that Luke, as he was led by the Spirit of God, writing the book of Acts here, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, as he opens it up, he talks about our Savior But he talks about him in a way that you and I can follow and live by example. Look at verse 2 again. Until the day which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus had a beginning. I'm not talking about the beginning of Genesis chapter 1. I'm not talking about I'm the beginning and the end. I'm not talking about I'm the Alpha and Omega. He had a beginning in earthly ministry as a human being. That's what he's talking about here. This is talking about the human side, the son of man side of Jesus Christ. And he's saying that you, Theophilus, you, church, you, Bible Baptist Church of 2024, you, Randy Dignan, you and I can and should live in such a way that people see that what we do and teach in our day-to-day acting, that means we're perfect. There's nothing even here about being perfect. But our testimony, our way, the walk is making an impact in this world today. You know, sometimes I feel like we even have a more of a greater platform because of social media. We can be the way on social media. We can be the way on, on Facebook and Instagram, all the other things that God has given us, these venues. We can be the way, showing this world that there's still hope. There's still an answer to problems. There's still a Savior who cares. By the way, we do and teach, do and teach. We're going to be far from perfect, but we sure can try. We sure can begin. We sure can continue. And number three, I love this one. Look at verse number seven. All right, now, <clears throat> so the Jews are like, okay, we're listening, we're taking notes. Oh, by the way, Jesus, I got a question. I, I imagine it's like Jesus says at a press conference here about to leave. And he's got the, the journalists out there asking questions with the notes. Uh, Jesus, I got a question. Hey, you know, Jew, Jerusalem Post here. Uh, what about this time restore the kingdom again to Israel? That's the question they were obsessed with. They're obsessed with that, right? I mean, this is a miracle. Seeing the glorified body of Jesus Christ now, he's standing, he's about to be ascended up to heaven. The crucifixion's already happened. The resurrection's already happened. Wow. And so like, hey, will that time restore again the kingdom of Israel? That's all those Jews are thinking about. By the way, they're still thinking about that in 2024, right? Watch Jesus' answer. His answer would seem like it's a little bit disappointing, but he's actually teaching you and me something Still, on this January Sunday of 2024, watch this, verse 7. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own, there's that word again, power. All right, all right, Jesus, we're expecting an answer here. What do you got? What's the plan? When can we expect, you know, the the emperor of Rome to be dethroned and the, the kings that... That, that run our precincts and our areas and our neighborhoods to be out of the way. When are you going to set up your kingdom? Of course, Jesus is about to establish a more important kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, as, as he's going to call Peter and, of course, soon Saul and Paul and these people and 
and the Jasons of the world, they're going to turn this world upside down and make an impact on this world that you and I are still benefiting from 2,000 years later. Whoa, that's not much of an answer. What is he teaching in that verse? What is he saying? What is the implication? What is the emphasis here? Good question, right? He says it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father put in his own power. And now to Christians in 2024, what do we say to that response? What can we learn from that response? Here it is. It's very simple. Just keep trusting the Father. Keep trusting the Father. You know what would happen if we actually knew the date? It would impact our lives in a way that would not really benefit ourselves and others. That's a fact. I mean, if somebody told us today, right now, the rapture's going to happen for sure, 100%, guaranteed, that's going to happen, guaranteed May 1st, 2024, what would you do? Some of you would, would go out and get some credit cards uh, with a $100,000 limit, and you would take a four-month vacation with your family and rack up all that up, and the rapture happens, and the Antichrist is stuck with the bill. Somebody say amen right there, right? <laughs> or you tell everything you have, right? And you'd go to Europe for four months. Or you'd go to the Bahamas for four months. You, I mean, right? Come on. If we knew the date, I mean, man, we, we'll just, I'll be, I'll be reading my Bible. I'll be praying every day. I'll spend time with my family. I might witness people. I'll give, I'll give tracts to people in Europe. I'll get tracts in different languages. I mean, we would start to make plans that then, watch this now, veer us off of trusting the one who knows the date. It's actually better for you and me not to know. But God is good. God says, I'm not going to just keep it from you totally. You're going to be able, if you are astute a little bit, if you pull your head out of the sand, if you pay attention to the Bible and current events, you're going to be able to smell something in the air. It's like, oh, we're getting close. I mean, so close, but not close enough to go out and open a $100,000 credit card. Can I get that man right there? Right? I ain't going to do that. No way. You see the point here? Here in the book of Acts, Luke is writing the letter of the Spirit of God. He's saying, if you look at the pattern of Christ's life, that's the life we're supposed to live as Christians. All right, we know that he was supernatural. We know that he is God. But in this context here, everything that Jesus is teaching us here, everything that Luke and the Holy Spirit is teaching you and me is attainable for you and me. We can do and teach. We can begin. We can stay faithful. And we can trust God. Wow, what a beautiful outline to start the book of Acts for you and me. Oh, and by the way, the next 27 chapters tell us about God's people who do exactly what Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 says to do. They begin, they do and they teach, and they trust God. That leads to number four, and I'm done. How do we keep it up? So I hear a lot of times this phrase in Christianity. I hear it with preachers. I'm here with pastors. Uh, my wife shared with me something that really, I mean, the good news about the 40 church plants, but they, they noticed a huge, I, I use the word increase, but increase in numbers since COVID of pastors, churches, ministers quitting, closing, just being out, just out of the ministry altogether. People are just quitting and leaving. And, and oftentimes we hear this phrase of burnout. I hear Christians get burnout, preachers get burnout. Church members get burnt out. That's why I have the philosophy as your pastor. I don't want you to ever get burnt out. I mean, make sure you're still having time for your family, for the ministries you do. Make sure you stay balanced. That was our theme for last year. Make sure that your family, by the way, it's family first, then church, then government. 
the three institutions of the Bible. And, and we should never sacrifice. I tell preachers all the time across this country, now young preachers, sometimes I do Q&As now, so I'm getting, it'll be the old man. I say to them, listen to me, you don't ever have to choose between family or ministry ever. I was taught that by some preachers. It's not family or ministry, it's family and ministry. Your family can serve with you in the ministry. You can make your family a priority as you serve God as a family. Staying balanced, that's beautiful. It's biblical. I'm not supposed to sacrifice my kids for the ministry. That contradicts everything the Bible teaches about being a dad and a husband. It's in the book, right? So what do we do as Christians today? What do we do to prevent burnout? The same things our cell phones do every day. The same things our laptops and computers do. We power up. We plug in. Every day. We let the word and the spirit's juice feed us. We get strength for another day so that we can go back to number one, begin. Back to number two, continue until the day. Back to number three, trust in him because we don't know the day, but trust in him. And that's why Jesus says that you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What a blessing. So in the midst of all this EMP craze, while the world is concerned about the power grid and the power that, that keeps these lights and fans running, that keeps this PA going, that keeps our heat on at our house. We Christians know that's important. And we're thankful for it. I'm very thankful for it when it's negative five degrees. Amen? But I know this. It is so much more important for me tomorrow to do the best I can to yield myself to the Holy Spirit and walk in his power and show this world there is a better way. Heads your bad eyes close. Thank you for listening so well tonight.
I've seen love come and I've seen love walk away. So many questions will anybody say? It's been a hard year, so many nights in tears, all of the darkness trying to fight my fears. do. 